Our, uh, our lesson today comes from Mark 1, starting with verse 4. So uh, let me give you a moment to find it. Hear the word of the Lord. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all of the people of Jerusalem were going out to him, and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, The one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that you would open up uh, your scriptures to us today. That as we read them and think about them and pray through them, that our hearts and minds would be revealed to you and that you would show yourself uh, to us by sharing in this together. Lord, it's in your Son's name that we pray. Amen. So uh, we are in the middle of a sermon series uh, on the disciplines of a disciple. And the focus of the series, just to remind you all, is on those things that we do, the practices that we participate in as Christians to help us to continue to grow in our faith, uh, to share our love for God, to be reminded of the grace that God has given to us. This is also a special Sunday in the church's year. Uh, this is uh, the Sunday we remember the baptism of the Lord. And that's the story that I just, I just read to you from Mark. The, when Jesus went down to the Jordan River and was baptized by John the Baptist. And so we have a, a bit of a, a tension here. On the one hand, we have this story of Jesus' baptism, and then we have uh, what so often we think of when we think about baptism, and that's, that's our own baptism. And indeed, to be baptized is a spiritual discipline, as, as we'll talk about. And sometimes it can seem a little difficult to reconcile this story of what we know about what's happened to Jesus with what we know about baptism in our own lives. You know, part of that reason, I think, for that is, you know, when, when someone's baptized, no matter pretty much what denomination you do it in or what method you use, we have a certain set of expectations that we bring to it. Uh, as Methodists, we have a, an official liturgy that we use, and it's beautiful words, and I, I can't wait to be able to celebrate that with someone. It's not a bad thing at all, but it's very orderly and organized. We know what to expect. And perhaps you're, you're baptized in another tradition, but, but even there, usually we have this image of what happens in a baptism. And we know that certain words will be said, certain actions will be performed, and it's a, it's a service of the church, and we come to it with a certain degree of uh, just uh, expectations and organization and almost a, a calm peacefulness that happens with it. 
But you know, the scene that we read about here with Jesus' baptism isn't like that at all. In fact, the more you think about it and the more you go back and read this, the crazier you realize all of this is. Because everything's happening at the wrong time and the wrong place. This is a busy and messy and, and dirty scene. We're told that, that all of the people are going out into the wilderness. The wilderness. Right? They're leaving their homes. They're leaving Jerusalem. And so crowds are coming out here. Crowds to this wild place in the middle of the desert. And it, we're told that all of the people from Jerusalem are coming. Now, I think Mark is, is probably exaggerating. It's not like the whole city's been emptied. But a big crowd is there. There are all of these people there. And they're confessing their sins together. And they're saying all the things that they've done wrong. I mean, who does this? Who goes out into the middle of the desert and starts saying all the things that you've done wrong in your life? Anybody ever done that? Didn't think so. And they go out there to meet this crazy prophet who seems like he was plucked right out of the Old Testament to hear this message that he's preaching. He's telling them to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. To come out there and, and, and change your life in the middle of this faraway place. And the prophet that they meet there isn't exactly the, the picture of a, a stable person. He's wearing camel hair. He has a leather belt and a loincloth. He eats bugs and honey. This guy is out of control. So a crazy place with a crazy number of people doing these crazy actions and this crazy prophet all out in the desert, not very much like what we do when we do a baptism, right? We have this wild situation, this chaotic situation. And in the middle of that chaos, who shows up but Jesus? He goes to meet people in the midst of the chaos of their lives, in the midst of their repentance and their confession, uh, meeting this prophet who's come before him with this out-of-control-so-it-seems behavior. And that's where Jesus goes. That's where Jesus goes. The place is dirty. The place is all wrong. The people are dirty and all wrong. But Jesus is right there with them. And he goes out there to be in solidarity with them as they're cleansed from their sins. The, uh, some of you might have been reading the King James Version as you followed along. Uh, and the translation there that's in this transition sentence in, in verse 9 uh, is, It came to pass in those days. It came to pass in those days. And I love that because if you think about that, you know, it came to pass, seems like a nice little generic thing, but not here. It came to pass in those crazy days. It came to pass in the midst of the chaos. It came to pass in the midst of people who would wander out into the wilderness to repent of their sins. It came to pass among people who were desperate and needy and looking for God. In those days, it came to pass that Jesus goes out there. And why? Why does Jesus go out there? 
when we think about our own baptisms, we think about baptism as a repentance of our sins and a confession. And that's what these folks are doing too. They're confessing their sins, they're repenting, they're waiting on newness of life. But Jesus doesn't need to do that. Jesus doesn't have any sins. So why is he getting baptized? And in some versions of this story in the other Gospels, John will ask Jesus this. He'll say, I should be the one who's getting baptized by you, not you getting baptized by me. But Mark doesn't tell us that. In Mark, we just have Jesus showing up. We just have him there. And there's power in that lack of an explanation here in Mark. Because all we see is chaos and disorder and a rabble, and there is Jesus, right there with them. And it's this picture of God himself in Jesus being in solidarity with these people, being with these people who need him and who need his message. And there's something for that for us as well. When you need God the most and go in search of him. And when there's chaos all around and this rabble and disorder, who shows up but Jesus himself? And there he is. So Jesus goes to be baptized by John. And as he's getting up out of the water, there's this voice and this bird. And the, the, the dove descends on him. The Holy Spirit comes down on him. And the voice says, this is my son, the beloved. In him I am well pleased. And so God himself sending the Spirit upon Jesus and the Father declaring these words over the Son, that he's pleased with him, that this is his beloved. And of course, we expect God to say that about Jesus because we're reading it after the fact. But if you just take it in the flow of the story, it's a little bit more surprising. Because what's Jesus done so far for God to be pleased with him? He hasn't taught anybody anything. He hasn't done any miracles. You know, he hasn't uh, healed anybody of their illnesses. What's he done to make God pleased with him? So far in the story of Mark, he's done nothing but this one thing, which is to be baptized. But the thing about this one thing is that it's a glimpse. It's a foretaste of all that Jesus is going to do. Because what Jesus has done in this story is to come and be with the people who need him. And even though he had no need to repent of his own sins, he has been with the people who are repenting. And as Mark tells the story, it's a glimpse of what Jesus is going to do when he goes to the cross. Because Jesus going and being with people who are in need of repentance it's, and being buried under the water and coming out on the other side it's an image of what Jesus is going to do when he bears the sins of the people, when he dies on the cross, when he's buried in the tomb, and then comes out on the other side. And so this story, and the reason that God is pleased with Jesus, is because it uh, anticipates all that Jesus is going to do, all that he's going to teach, all the healings, all the miracles, all of that is anticipated in this moment. And his death and the cross and his resurrection are anticipated in this moment. When God is saying, you my son, I am well pleased with you. 
because I know who you are and this names what you're going to do. You know, perhaps you've had a similar moment. Perhaps you've had this moment that anticipates what you hope for for the future, what you are confident perhaps will be one day. When I was in uh, ROTC in college, uh, training to be an Air Force officer, when my, I think it was my first year there, uh, my flight commander, um, after we'd been in a little bit, came to uh, our, our flight and gave all of us cadets a, a, a butter bar, the gold bar that a lieutenant wears. And uh, he gave it to us and he said, I want you to put this on the inside of your flight cap. You know, they have multiple folds, so there's an inside part that you can't see when you're wearing it. Put it on the inside uh, because this is what your goal is. And everything that you should be doing in this program is to work toward your commission. But more than that, this is my vote of confidence that I know you can do it. You know, you have difficult years ahead of study and preparation and training and all that's to come, but this is to remind you of what your calling is. This is to remind you of what will be three or four years down the road when you commission. And so it was not only a, a way of saying keep your eye on the prize, but it was a way of saying that your future is starting right now. And something like this happens with the story of Jesus and his baptism. All that Jesus is going to do, all that is anticipated for him is happening in a sense right in this moment when he identifies, when he is with the people who need him. And the same is true for us today because he's not just with people in a Judean wilderness. He's also with us in the midst of whatever wilderness that we're going through. And whatever chaos is going on in your life, this is a reminder that Jesus is there and that his promise of newness of life, his promise to make everything right, uh, as we sang about just a bit ago um, together, that's real and it starts right now. It's the beginning of this, of this glimpse of the future in Jesus. And so when we're baptized, we are, in a sense, participating in what God has done in Jesus. To be baptized is to enter into Jesus' death and then his resurrection and the newness of life that comes on the other side. To be baptized is to be named as one of God's people and for God to say, I am with this person and this person is with me. I am his and he is mine. I am hers and she is mine. To be baptized is to be with Jesus and, the, and, and to accept the promise that you were part of his body day by day. And that's what makes it a discipline. You know, it's a, maybe a strange thing to talk about baptism as a discipline. Usually when we hear that word, we think of a habit. We think of stuff that we do all the time. And ideally, at least, baptism is only supposed to happen once. There are reasons that people might get rebaptized, um, but really it's supposed to be your initiation into the Christian community. You're entering into the body of Christ, and you only enter in once because God's grace is not going to undo it. Right? So you come in, and you're a part. And so if you come to, the, to our church, to the Methodist church, from another denomination, and you've been baptized, if it's been done in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit... 
God's with you, and we're glad that you're here with us. We're not going to rebaptize you, though, because God has already been working in your life, and, that's, and we've signified that by baptism. But what happens then when you're baptized, at least how it's supposed to be, is that it's not just a one-time act. It's supposed to then you know, characterize your entire life. You are one of the people who's called by, by God's name. And it's the start of this learning process. You know, sometimes people have this image of, of baptism that, you know, I've got to get my life right and I've got to, you know, kind of clean up my act and then I can come to the church, then I can start being a part of what God's doing. No, that's not, it's not the picture of baptism either in the Bible or in the Christian tradition. What baptism is, is the beginning of the process. It's the beginning of your journey with Christ. Remember, to be a, to be a disciple, the word, that word itself, and disciplines, it comes from the same Latin root that means to learn. It means to learn day by day what it means to be one of God's people. And to be baptized into that discipline means that even though you haven't gotten everything right in your life, and you probably never will, that God's grace is there with you. There with you day by day by day. So I want to make a, two kinds of an appeal today. Here's the first one. If you haven't been baptized, if you haven't become a member of the body of Christ, what are you waiting for? We're here and, and ready for you to be a part of us. And maybe you say, you know, I haven't gotten all this stuff figured out yet, and, and I'm still, you know, I, I, I don't know if I, I believe, and, and I, I'm, just, I'm just not there yet. And maybe, maybe there's a little bit more work to be done, but let's talk about it. Let's talk about it in a serious way. And maybe all it is is that you just need to take the plunge, so to speak, and then to continue that process of learning, knowing that you've been named by God as one of his. So if you haven't been baptized and you want to be, or you're trying to figure it out, let me know. Uh, I'm here after the service, and you can, I'm available by call or email uh, like 24-7. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about it and what it would mean for you to become a part of the body of Christ. Now, here's the other appeal that I want to make. And actually, I'm going to have to change this up a little bit. Because what I was expecting to say when I woke up this morning is to come here and tell you, uh, and I think this, I mean, there's something to this still. I, but, I, but I wanted to tell you, and what I expected to tell you when I woke up this morning is, look, if you're baptized, if you're a Christian, are you living into your baptism? Are you loving God day by day? Are you loving your neighbor day by day? And I, want, I don't want to miss that. I think that is important. But I realized this morning as I was preparing that I had kind of missed a step. And I was, I was sitting there in my living room and praying through this and, and just looking at it all again. And this one phrase just stuck out to me. And it's what God, what the Father says to the Son at the end of this scene. You are my Son, the Beloved. With you, I'm well pleased. You are my Son, the Beloved. With you, I'm well pleased. And as I'm sitting there, this, I just have this line going over and over and over in my head, just sitting there for about 30 minutes or so. You are my Son, the Beloved. With you, I'm well pleased. And what I realized is that I didn't want to preach to you about baptism 
without telling you and without reminding you that it's about grace. It's about God's declaration to us that we are His, that we belong to Him. And no matter what you've done, where you've gone in your life, how you think you failed God, that God's grace is still there and available to you. Available to the first time and signifying that and and responding to His grace in baptism, or there for us even who've been already called by His name but have fallen short. And so to what I wanted to say is, you know, you need to live into your baptism. You need to abide in your baptism. And that's right. And with that comes certain things that we do, loving God and loving our neighbors. But we do those things. We love God and we love our neighbors because we know that God has first loved us and has called us by name. And that's what we recognize when we're baptized, that God's grace has been given to us. And so I want you to live your baptism, but the way I want you to live it is by remembering this call. You are my beloved. With you, I'm well pleased. Why is God pleased with us? Well, he's pleased with us because of his son who came to take on our life, our sins, and all our failures so that we can be a part of what God is doing in this world. And it's a gift to us that's given. You know, and it's, it's really, really easy to go about your daily life and you're busy with work and family and tragedy and all the things that go on to distract us. And perhaps you're consumed with guilt and you think, you know, I just am not, I'm not much of a Christian. So to you today, I want to say to remember your baptism, to abide in what God has decreed over you in the waters that you are mine and that I love you, that I've called you by grace to be one of my people. And you can be renewed day by day, not by by getting everything perfectly morally right, not by getting your life all together, but because of the grace that's been given to us in Jesus, the one who came to be with us in our wilderness, to be baptized with us so that we might be entered into new life through his death and his resurrection. So that's my appeal to you today. If you haven't been baptized, if you want to become a part of the body of Christ, if you want to respond to the the grace that God has given to you and obey God's commandment to go and be baptized, then let me know. Come talk to me. And perhaps, uh, and perhaps you're in this situation. You, you've been baptized before. Um, you've been named as one of God's people, but you've, in a sense, forgotten. You've forgotten that grace that was given to you, and you want to renew your commitment to reaffirm what God has said in baptism to you, that you are his. And if that's you too, come and talk to me. I'd love to talk to you about it and what it means to more fully participate in what God is doing in us in this place. Let's pray. God, we thank you today. We thank you for your presence with us through your Son, and through your Spirit. And we remember that day so many years ago when he went down to the Jordan to be with a people who needed him. 
And we know that you meet us today in the midst of our need. Lord, we pray that we would be renewed in our mind and in our heart, that you would call us and that we would respond to your call to be your people, the one body of Christ in his baptism. Lord, all this we pray in your son's great and glorious name. Amen.